Well, greetings and welcome to a special Hospital Week edition of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. Today, we're honored to have Rick Pollack, the president and CEO of the American Hospital Association with us. Rick has been with AHA for quite some time now. Uh, He's been president and CEO for the past several years, and prior to that, he was the executive vice president for advocacy and public policy. He is the organization's 11th president. Rick, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Julian. Happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you talk about Hospital Week, which is something that we celebrate here in Virginia, and I know something that AHA uh, works with its members throughout the nation to celebrate. If we could, before we get into that, I gave our listeners a brief overview of your background, but obviously you are more well-versed in that than I am. So if you could, tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Well, you know, as you mentioned, I've been president and CEO of AHA for the past three years. The 25 years prior to that, I was executive vice president for the association. I started my career on Capitol Hill working as a legislative assistant to a congressman from Wisconsin and then left to become a lobbyist, initially working with the American Nurses Association for several years representing professional nursing. So in many ways, I entered the healthcare field and learned about it through the lens of nursing. Um, When I worked on Capitol Hill, I really focused on labor and education issues for a member that worked on the Appropriations Committee. You know, one of the questions, Julian, that people often ask me is, why have you stayed at AHA for 35 years? And I often say it's partly because I give a poor interview. But (laughs) the real reason is because it's a great cause. And as a professional advocate, you can represent anything. But I really take pride in representing our members and the incredible work they do. A second reason is I've always had great bosses and great colleagues. And a third reason, again, is the notion that what we do at associations whether it's here at AHA or at the Virginia Association, if we can just help in a small way what our members do day in and day out to serve their patients and communities, then it's of enormous gratification. Well, I think you've isolated it. In fact, as we noted at the outset, the name of this podcast is Patients Come First, and that is an intentional naming because that really is a reminder of the important work that hospitals and health systems here in the Commonwealth of Virginia and across America do every day to help patients and families. As I mentioned, this is uh, the podcast we're taping to coincide with Hospital Week 2018, and it's a time where we can recognize all the great works that our hospitals do for Virginians and to support the economy. We do a lot of that and, and promotion of that here in Virginia, I wonder if you could tell the listeners a little bit about what AHA does to help hospitals around the nation celebrate Hospital Week. Well, you know, National Hospital Week actually started off as a celebration and recognition of the birthday of Florence Nightingale. And in fact, this year's Hospital Week actually coincides with National Nurses Week. doesn't always line up exactly that way, but that's the way it is for this particular year. And what National Hospital Week really is about is about the men and women, over 5 million of them, that work in America's hospitals and health systems. And it's really about honoring the incredible dedication and commitment that they provide in serving patients and communities. You know, this past year is just one example of how hospitals and health systems have responded, whether it was the unfortunate shootings, 
hurricanes, mudslides, wildfires. We saw our hospitals at their very best. They were always there, ready to care. National Hospital Week is about honoring the work that we do and the work that our colleagues do day in and day out. Absolutely. And that's 24-7, 365, which is something that we, we always remind people of. No matter the time of day, the circumstance, your community hospital is there for you to help you when you have an unforeseen medical challenge. Shifting gears a little bit, while there is so much to celebrate, there is also, because of sort of external factors, there are a lot of challenges that the healthcare community and hospitals in particular face. Some of them are policy-related. As you sort of assess and survey the evolving and changing policy landscape, sort of what, what is your overview or, or how do you sort of evaluate the challenges that hospitals face and you know the prospect for addressing those challenges and continuing? continuing to do the important work that so many people rely on hospitals to do? You know, I think there are three big challenges. The first is ensuring coverage. And uh, you're working so hard in Virginia to expand coverage in terms of Medicaid expansions. And I know that it's getting close and I hope you all hang in there. There are still 19 states that haven't taken advantage of the Medicaid expansions that were part of the Affordable Care Act, trying to hold on to the gains that we've achieved over the past several years and being supportive of the leadership that states like yours are trying to provide in terms of further expansion of coverage, that's certainly a challenge. Given who we are and what we do, having coverage for all, whether it's all Virginians or all Americans, it continues to be an important task. Second big challenge that we face is the issue of affordability. And, you know, given what we've been through in this country over the past several years, the one thing you can say about the issue of affordability is that that's a bipartisan issue and it's not going to go away and it involves all stakeholders. Providing increased affordability, better value for the care that we provide is going to be a challenge as we see health care costs continuing to go up. But, you know, one of the key things that we really have to focus on in that regard, and Nancy Agee, who is our chair and a Virginian, the CEO of Korean Health, has provided outstanding leadership in helping to frame the issue of affordability so the public better understands what is the cost of caring. What goes into it? A lot of people don't understand that half of our budget go to basically providing salaries for the people that work in our organizations that provide the hands-on care. A lot of the costs that we absorb are things that we don't have that much control over. The largest cost that we absorb is drug prices, and they've gone up roughly 38% over the past couple of years. So the issue of affordability is a real challenge. It involves all of us. We have to lean forward in terms of trying to provide better value and affordability. And I think our hospitals are working real hard to do that through providing more coordinated care and providing care in a manner in which it is more affordable. The third big challenge that we all have is what I call redefining the H. You know, that symbol, 
that H, that blue and white H sign, is something that means so much. It means hope and it means healing. It directs people to a place that they know they will receive care by people that are of the highest ethics and professionalism. It's the ultimate of society's safety nets. But what a lot of people don't understand is that the H is more than just a building. And yes, there are going to be things that will always go on in the building. Sophisticated surgery, sophisticated diagnostics and therapeutics, those will go on in our buildings, as will trauma services. But what we find, of course, is that hospitals are more than just a building. And what one of the challenges we face is that the public understand that hospitals have reached into their communities, that we're providing care in a variety of different settings, whether it's ambulatory care outside the hospital and clinics, to care inside the home. So a big challenge here is redefining the age, both doing it to provide care in a way that is more convenient to patients, and it's important that the public understands that. That's a real challenge. And those are great points you brought up, both about the drivers of the cost of healthcare and healthcare expenditures, not necessarily sort of being in the delivery of care, but in some of the sort of external factors that are associated with delivering that care as opposed to sort of the direct care. And then also, you know, really affordability, which is sort of the big question that lots of folks are dealing with. I know we are working on uh, here in Virginia uh, with, with legislative partners. And then finally, glad that you brought up uh, Nancy Agee from Carillion Clinic, and I know that her investiture as the 2018 AHA Board of Trustees chairwoman is actually just upcoming. Is it this weekend? Is that correct? Yep, it sure is this Sunday. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to her. Uh, let's, let's continue on that note for one quick second. When we talk about sort of what the H represents, it occurs to me that in this rapidly changing world that technology and innovation and disruption are helping, are part of that redefinition, I guess, uh, of what the H means. How are those factors, technology, innovation, disruption, driving that redefinition that you refer to? One of the driving forces in disruptive uh, innovation is really the issue of providing care in a manner that is more convenient to patients. When you see some of the disruption that's occurring, let's say, for example, CBS and Aetna coming together or Walmart and Humana coming together, it's really all around the issue of providing care to patients in a more convenient way. And many of our hospitals are attempting to do that, but by and large, you got to admit, our buildings are sometimes difficult to navigate, parking may be tough, and we need to respond to being more cognizant of helping the consumer navigate the system more easily. We have to move into the digital world. If we are going to manage people's care across the continuum, whether it's in the form of accountable care organization or bundles or provider-based plans, we need to be constantly engaged in helping them manage their care and be loyal to our networks and our organizations. And that's not a part of our history. We're usually involved in taking care of people and interacting with them on an episodic basis. 
we do need to move into the future, and the future means making care more convenient, and that's going to be critical, whether it's providing care in the home, whether it's providing care outside the building, whether it's providing care where people work. That's a trend that we need to respond to. And as people uh, are faced with health plans that have higher deductibles, health plans that uh, are focused around health savings accounts, where they'll be paying more out of pocket and looking to seek their services in retail environments, we need to respond to that. Of course, the thing that we have to keep in mind is that there are, again, a lot of things that people will always rely on us for. And uh, when there are sophisticated procedures, when there is an emergency, people aren't going to run to the strip mall or the CVS. We will always be there, ready to care, as we said earlier, but we, we can't ignore the environment around us in terms of the need to be more responsive to our patients. The second big trend, and this also goes to the issue of redefining the age and care moving outside the traditional building, is chronic care management. You know, 86% of um, all healthcare spending in the future is going to be on people that uh, have multiple chronic conditions. And we need to be aware of the fact that a lot of those types of care, management of those conditions, again, can be taken care of outside of our buildings. And in some ways, it also provides significant opportunities for rural hospitals because a lot of that care can be provided in the community. It doesn't need to leave the community. So I think this whole issue of consumerism and convenience, affordability, and chronic care management, I think those are the three three big trends that we have to keep an eye on, and all three of them uh, intersect uh, what, what we call disruptive innovation. Absolutely. Three trends that you've identified that really are critical to what the future of care delivery is in, in a hospital setting or in other care settings. Last question. You have, as you mentioned, been involved in the healthcare sector for the bulk of your career for several decades now. Over that period of time, I wonder, I have to imagine that you've encountered some really heart-rending or awe-inspiring uh, pay or touching patient stories that you've seen. I wonder if briefly you might share or ruminate on one or two of those that really are just are sort of a microcosm uh, or indicative of, you know, the kind of excellent patient-centric care that, that happens in the hospital setting every day. Well, you know, I'll give you two examples, both very personal, both on both sides of the life cycle, if you will. Several years ago, my father passed away, and he was in hospice care that was located in the hospital toward the end of his life. And the care that he received in the hospice setting, which was really a new experience to me, was rather incredible. The compassion and the dignity that the hospice workers provided was nothing short of amazing. And what I also learned is that hospice workers, who are truly saints, care for the family as much as they care for the patient and gave me an incredible understanding and respect for people that are involved in hospice care. In fact, I, I had the honor, we give out an award called the Circle of 
of Life Award to providers that provide outstanding care. And it just so happened that the hospital in which my father received that care and passed away uh, was an award winner. And I had the chance to go back and give that award to that hospital and many of the people that cared for him. So that's one personal experience that really sticks out. The second one on the other side of the life cycle is today is the seventh birthday of my grandson, my first grandson, and he was born today, seven years ago, in a Northern Virginia hospital. And, you know, it's special when you have your own children. It's even some ways more special when you have your grandchildren. And I'll never forget the great care that he got and the great team that provided that care in a Northern Virginia hospital. And I'm looking forward to uh, another great experience. My daughter is pregnant with twins, and in two months uh, she's scheduled to receive care and deliver her kids over at the Fort Belvoir Military Hospitals. Those are the kinds of things that stick out or are indicative of positive memories on both sides of the life cycle. Well, thank you for sharing those personal stories with us. And as an aside, happy seventh birthday to your grandson. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, listen, once again, we are pleased and honored to have Rick Pollack, the president and CEO of the American Hospital Association, with us today for this special episode of the Patients Come First podcast celebrating Hospital Week 2018. So, Rick, thank you for being with us and happy Hospital Week. Thanks so much. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Patients Come First podcast. You can find new episodes as they become available at www.vhha.com. You can also find episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud. We also encourage you to engage with us on social media, including Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to send us comments, questions, or feedback for the podcast, you can do that through our Twitter account at VirginiaHHA using the hashtag Patients Come First. Thanks.